Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Wheel Take Selly, hosted by uh, Andy today. Again, Nick is off um, taking care of business, more or less. Uh, we do hope to get him on soon, so stay tuned. But for now, it's still going to just be me. Uh, today's episode 17 um, of the podcast, and um, with the introduction of it last week, um, I'll be doing a weekly installment today, uh, and today's topic will be the Boston Bruins. Now, I'm living in the Boston area, uh, so I do have a pretty close eye on this team, um, or at least their uh, progression over the last five years or so. Um, and, I mean, honestly... This team is definitely on the decline. I do hate to say that. It's tough to say that, but um, you know, the Bruins did win that championship back in 2011. They had another attempt at one uh, in 2000, I believe 17, because 18 was, um, oh no, 19. 18 was capped, 19, I believe, was the Blues. Um, so the Bees had a really solid chance there, and the reason why I'm starting with that lineage sort of is because we need to address some things. Uh, Tuka Rask being the first one, um, it's tough to see that guy leave the game. Um, I do respect his decision to do so. Tuka's always been one to sort of favor his mental health or the support that he's providing um, the people that are close to him in his life. He's one to, to to be willing to step away from the game to uh, improve either of those aspects of his life. Uh, so I don't think his decision was made hastily here. Um, it's tough to see him go down the way he did, uh, you know, leaving, I think, what was his, his injury? He left the team. Um, there was that hiatus where we weren't really sure if he was going to be coming back to the NHL. Um, he did finally return to the Bruins uh, and suited up as an e-bug. Um, and then he did sign that. I think it was a one-year contract with them. And unfortunately, his first game back uh, was, or his first start, rather, I believe. Um, I could be misspeaking. Maybe it's, <clears throat> maybe it's one, of his, one of his first games back. But I thought it was his first start back was uh, dished up against the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Willie O'Ree Knight, and these, I believe it was seven to one shellacking there. Um, and that's a tough game to step back into the NHL with uh, a powerhouse team like Carolina. They're a team, you know, that's a team that's been struggling against your Bruins for the last three years. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of bad blood with some of the guys on that team. And um, going into Boston that night, I know that they wanted to to definitely uh, pack the pack the points up if if they could, and and the getting was good in that game for them. Like I said, seven to one. I think there was two or th two guys on hat trick alert there. Um, Canes did outscore the Bruins in the season series this year, sixteen to one. Um, so definitely a tough start for him to get back into the NHL with. Uh, and then also with that, um, we have the Bergeron and Marshawn stuff going on right now. Bergeron is serving, or not Bergeron, Marshawn is serving a suspension, a six-game suspension that he did appeal. Um, but, you know, as we all know, yes, I, I understand, like, what he did. He did punch the goalie and everything, and, and he got a little out of control. And even he had, had admitted that, I believe, on on conference of some kind I, I did see quotes in the hockey community posts that were saying that he did admit what he did was wrong um but the six game suspension is definitely indicative of his, his of his his history with being in front of uh the safety review board there um i i i don't remember what number uh suspension this is for him but it is it has propelled him into being the most suspended player in NHL history. Uh, I think I saw that stat last week when the, when the verdict was, was given to everybody. Um, and that's a big deal. I mean, Marshawn's a good player and, and he brings a lot to the team. He always has, but especially um, 
right now where the where the where we are in the lineage of, of the Boston Bruins, Marshawn is a very, very integral portion of that team. Um, and so for me, he really, he should be very conscious of the fact that he has had a, a decent amount of suspension history uh, with the NHL safety board there. Um, and so you need to be cognizant of that when you're out there on the ice, when, when you're, your team's, one of your team's top three players, when you're your team's um, leadership, a lot of people look to him for the leadership. He's a big momentum swinger, um, as we all know. I mean, it comes with the territory with all these suspensions. He'll get in your face, he'll get in your mind, he'll lick you on the cheek. Um, he'll bring the game right to you, and he can almost, you know, he can almost start swinging momentum for his team in those sort of situations, especially when you got guys like Charlie McAvoy backing him up with what he does. Um, Marshawn can push your buttons because he's got McAvoy behind him who will throw down if, if you start shoving him around or breaking his, his nose, uh, et cetera. Um, so I'd really like to see Marshawn return to the league um, and maybe cut some of that crap. You know, it's a risky thing to be doing anytime you do it. If you are a player with history, um, you know, the Tom Wilsons we think of, uh, the Nazem Kadri's, he's another one. I mean, how many playoff series or games has he missed due to suspensions? Um, so uh, they're dealing with the Marshawn thing. They're dealing with a rebuild in the goaltending. Um, Bergeron is also taking an injury. Uh, I was semi-listening last night when I was watching the Rangers Bruins, and I thought it was... What was it like? A, I think it was a joint of some kind. So maybe shoulder or elbow, something like that. Um, again, I was only half listening. I uh, This week, I've been actually very focused on watching a lot of the Olympics. So that's a part of the reason why I did choose the Bruins is they're a team that I've watched a couple games this week and, and I do sort of have a tap on them. So I've got a good team for next week. So if you're looking for something that's not on the... Uh, um, you know, the original six, definitely tune in next week. I think I have one that a lot of you might enjoy. Um, but yeah, as far as this week, I did kind of cop out. I'm going for the Bruins. Um, and Bergeron's dealing, like I said, Bergeron's dealing with that injury. Marshawn's dealing with the suspension. He did appeal it. So we'll see if that ends up getting shortened at all. Um, and then, uh, so with Tuca gone, they are build, rebuilding a net. And uh, after last night's game, I got to tell you, last night's game ended in a nine-round shootout. I think a nine- or ten-round shootout. Jack made the comment, top of the ninth inning here, going into the ninth round. That's how I know it lasted that long. Um, so they ended up losing in a nine-round shootout, two to one. It was a game that they scored in the first period. Uh, so they did not score any goals after that, aside from the ones in the shootout. But those don't go down in the score sheets. Um, and you're not going to win games that way. You're, you're not going to beat teams in the playoffs scoring one goal in the first and holding it down. Uh, you've faced a New York Rangers team who is an up-and-coming uh, contender, an up-and-coming cup contender. They're definitely going to be, uh, I think, in the playoffs for a good four or five years moving forward. Adam Fox just turned 24 last night. Um, so we're going to be seeing a lot, and the Rangers as a whole are a pretty young team now that Lundqvist is gone. Um, Chris Kreider, I think, is I don't know, is he the oldest on that team? I can't I can't think of too many more right now, but I'm sure there might be a few others. But other than him, you know, it is a relatively young team. Um, Zabanajad is in that category. I don't think he's 30 yet. Um, like I said, Adam Fox just turned 25. Capo Caco, uh, Panarin is still fairly young, um, and Shesterkin and Net, very young guy, very a lot of look to look forward to for the Rangers there. But, but we they, we talked about them last week. Sorry. Um, no, I think um, I I really liked Swayman last night. Let me get back to the Bruins here. The 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 reason why the game went to overtime last night uh, is because of Swayman. Um, the Rangers are a team that. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. They're an up-and-coming team. You know, they're sort of, like I said, they're where the Hurricanes were three, four years ago. And uh, three, four years ago, Bruins swept the Canes out of the playoffs. Bruins um, 
they, you know, they had us uh, for a five game series, I think the following season in the uh, conference finals there or earlier in the, in the season, earlier in the postseason. the first season we got swept out of the conference finals, the following season, early exits to the Bruins uh, in a five game series. And honestly, the Rangers, you can hard, you hardly were able to make it to overtime um, with the way that the Rangers were taking it, were taking it to you. They def, the Bruins definitely owned the game in the first period. Um, I didn't watch it, but my buddy Alex was, and I turned on the second period, and you could just tell from the shots on goal that it was definitely a Boston period. I asked Alex how it was going, um, and he told me it was completely owned by Boston. They hardly could get any shots off. Um, and that's really reminiscent of that that old that old brand of Bruins hockey that I think we all have have known and come to sort of take for granted from the city of Boston, not just the Bruins, but um, the all four major sports teams in general. Uh, and a lot of those teams are sort of coming to the end here with Brady gone and the Patriots now on a rebuild. Clearly, Boston is now on a rebuild. Um, but again, Swayman is a good he's definitely a good uh, guy to have in net there who's up and coming. I like him. Um, he made some huge saves last night, a lot of saves through traffic. Um, the Rangers really brought it to him. Um for the for the last two periods there they definitely wanted to walk out of that game with two points before there was even talks of overtime um the bruins really struggled uh they really really struggled after that first period um it was almost as if you know the locker room talk happened and and someone said all right we got one we scored first that's the win for tonight you know anything from this point on is bonus uh the the, at one point in the game, I I'm totally noticed that, I mean, New York was just making, they were making, they were receiving passes quickly. They were making decisions with the puck quickly. So they were either shooting very fast or passing it very fast and very deliberately too. Um, and it had Boston running all over their defensive zone, sort of like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Um, guys bumping into each other as they're sw- swapping roles, following their guys. I mean, it, it really, you could totally see the difference in skill sets from team to team. Um, DeBrusque had a couple of, uh, or sorry, number 74 on Boston had uh, a decent amount of, of breakaway opportunities and just couldn't put any of them home. And I don't know what it is with him. He did request that trade a few weeks back. Um, so for me, this guy should be really giving it his all out there. And if you're getting as many breakaway opportunities as I saw him get last night, and you're not even coming away with one, um, that's a bit concerning in my eyes. Uh, it's really concerning, especially because of the position he was drafted in. There's a lot of ramifications behind uh, DeBrusque that I think are, are, you know, very negative, not negative, but they're definitely concerns. Um, what's his level of compete if this is how he is? I mean, I don't really ever see him uh, in a manner that's like electric, in a manner that's, uh, you know, amped up. Um, I'm thinking sort of like Jordan Stahl here. Um if you watch Jordan Stahl score a goal, I mean the guy's reaction. If it's a if it's a pivotal goal, if it's not just you know their fourth fifth goal uh, to give them a three four goal lead, if it's not something like that, if it's a close game, if it's a pivotal moment in the game and he scores, it looks like that guy scored the overtime winner in Game Seven to me. Um, and I don't see that level of compete much from DeBrusque. And it's concerning, especially when you're a guy who has requested a trade. You're a guy who sort of sticks out like a sore thumb within your organization. Um, and I think as as far as the general hockey community goes, he, he really probably hasn't earned his keep to most of us as fans. I know a lot of Bruins fans um, that that do feel that way about him that are sort of like okay you know are we ready to move on from DeBrusque 
Um, DeBrusque actually could be a pretty, for the from the Bruins side of the house, DeBrusque could be a pretty exciting um, piece to the puzzle moving forward as the trade deadline opens up. Um, I'm sure across, you know, GMs, there might be some level of value still associated to him. We don't know the talks that are going on behind uh, the scenes. Um, perhaps, you know, the Bruins GM could be, uh, you know, telling somebody else that DeBrusque does have that level of compete in him. Um, there's definitely something there within this guy. He just couldn't find it in Boston. And Boston maybe just isn't his home. Um, so maybe there's a home out there for him that will that will get him to reach that level. And if there is, and if there's a team out there that's willing to take that chance, uh, that could mean good things for Boston. That could mean some, you know, possibly some assets uh, in the draft, or I'm sorry, some slot picks in the drafts coming up, um, or per- potentially some assets today uh, to get you either further into um, or all the way to that championship this season. I don't know what level of push Boston is going to make to to acquire um, assets for this cup chase. I don't, I don't, I don't know where to gauge where they are on that. Are they either, you know, the, the decision needs to be made with the brusque at this trade deadline. Are we rebuilding or are we going to push with what we have now? And I think the decision has been for the last three or four years, the latter. We're going to push for what we have in front of us right now. And so I want, I would like to see Boston maybe go the other direction here, especially after what is unfolding before us right here with um, Rask now being gone from the game for good and the DeBrusque Marchand, I'll call it a fiasco going on right now. Um, because regardless of how this scenario unfolded, you know, Marchand with the uh, suspension, and uh, Bergeron with the injury there, regardless of how it happened, because it is ha- it's happened, you could, you know, it could it could happen again next year. Who's to say that something doesn't, you know, Marshawn and Bergeron collide next year and concuss each other? Who's to say that doesn't happen? And then you're you're missing them again. And what's going to happen? You're going to go on a pretty rough tear in in the standings, I think. Um, Last night after the game, Edwards made the comment that Boston is now 1-1-1 this season without Marshawn and Bergeron. Um, I think before the game started, the stat was they were 1-5-0 or 1-5-1 without Marshawn Marshawn and Bergeron lifetime. Um, So not just this season. so that's definitely the two that's definitely the two prongs to this to this franchise, you know. Um Pasta's here to stay, I think. Uh he has had a difficult life, honestly, to to put it plain and simple. He did lose his uh infant child with his wife this off season. Um and that's that's mentally that that I I can't even describe to you probably how mentally tough it is for him. Uh, to still be going through that and still be uh, doing what he's doing out there on the ice. He he still seems to score goals. He still seems to have fun. Um, so those are good signs from Pasternak. Uh, Charlie Coyle got in deep last night, pushed uh, Shesterkin heavy. Shesterkin made a wild save on this play, but credit to Charlie Coyle. I feel like that guy tends to sometimes lose his game. And when he does that, I, I tend to feel like he also sort of gets away from his game and sort of, and so it sort of makes it that much more difficult uh, for him to return to what he was doing when he first joined the, the Bruins or, or when he was back in uh, Minnesota, I think it was. Um, and then who else was there? So McAvoy dropped that, dropped the gloves with D'Angelo when they played the Hurricanes last week. Um, I believe the night that I recorded last week's episode, the Canes played the Bruins. Um, and yeah, McAvoy dropped the gloves with D'Angelo. I liked that. Um, it was a fight that I really didn't like at all from my side of the house. Um, it was a clean hit on Ajo. He had his head down. He did pick it up last minute. So I, I think he was ready for the hit. Um, but it was open ice on 
just past the just past the blue line. So Aho was making his way down toward the offensive side of the rink for him, and McAvoy stood him up just as he passed his defensive blue line. Um, it happened in front of the bench. Again, this is a site of D'Angelo that this is the this is a site of D'Angelo that I, I don't like. Um, I thought it was a clean hit. I, I didn't I didn't particularly like his decision at the time of the game to to have that fight. I believe we were up by one, and until halfway through the game, maybe until about halfway through the game. Uh, we really weren't in control. Boston was holding it down. I mean, we were def- they were bending, not breaking. Um, and when you bend, don't and not break against an elite team like Carolina, like Florida, like Tampa, or Colorado. Um, the the issue with the team that is better on paper is that you mentally get bogged down and, you know, you start thinking to yourself, is our game not working? Like, should we really stick to our game here? And, you know, the Canes have a good coach that keeps them uh, deterring those thoughts. But the choice for D'Angelo to fight at that point in the game, I thought was a terrible decision. Matt, you know, Boston stood nothing to lose in that fight even if even if McAvoy got knocked out um I don't really think it would have done much for Carolina momentum wise Uh, I thought it was it was only the opportunity for Boston to take control uh, over the momentum of that game I thought after that fight I was extremely worried that first of all he was going to get an instigator fight or penalty which would have given them a power play and second of all, I was worried that there was just going to be a total momentum shift because uh, it it was in was it in Boston? I think it was, yeah, it was in Boston. It was our four game trip of makeup games. So it was in Boston. Uh, the crowd was there. They were ready for the fight. Um, D'Angelo did seemingly win the fight, uh, but McAvoy sort of tackled him uh, to the ground and was like on top of him at the end of it. Uh, so, you know, Boston fans are going to get into that. Uh, like I said, I can't believe that that didn't shift the momentum at that point. I think if the instigator penalty was given, that w- that might have been uh, the aspect of that scenario that broke the camel's back. Um, but thankfully, they made it out alive from that. Uh, so McAvoy's definitely stepping up. I, I feel like he is... Uh, sort of leading the team in that role that Chara sort of used to fill. Um, maybe not so much the leadership aspect of it, although I am sure that, you know, he has been in the league for a few years now. So I'm sure that he's offering some some level of guidance and, and uh, veteranship to the younger guys in that club now. Um, though I do still think that Marshawn and Bergeron sort of take the majority of that. Uh, so really, you know, Boston overall is is a quirky sort of franchise right now to me. Um, let's pull up the standings and sort of have that discussion here. So they're sitting at the final wild card spot there uh, in the East. Um, and like I said last week, the Eastern Conference is sort of locked down. As far as playoff positions go, um, the likelihood that teams like, uh, I mean, really, it's only Columbus and Detroit who honestly have a mathematical chance at this. Excuse me. Um, It's teams like Detroit and Columbus that are chasing them, quote unquote. Um, But Boston has three games in hand over Detroit, and they have eight points in the standings. They have the same number of games played as Columbus, and they are up by 11 points. And then New York has four games in hand over Boston, uh, but only 40 points in the standing. So even if they won those four games in hand, they'd still be 10 points back. Uh, so Boston is probably going to make the playoffs this year, barring any sort of catastrophic collapse. Um, knock on wood for Boston fans there. Um, 
But wow, actually, I just noticed that Pittsburgh has made a surge into first place in the Metro. Um, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about them. Um, but Boston is 27, 16, and four uh, for 58 points. Their goal differential right now is plus four, um, which is concerning. Uh, you definitely need to be top heavy on your goal differential um, if you expect to make any sort of push into the latter half of the postseason. There have been teams that have proven us wrong there, but in my eyes, I don't believe Boston is going to be that team um, unless, you know, somebody, unless there's a lot of, uh, you know, like President's Trophy issues in the first round this year, you know, where we do see the Titan of whatever conference fall in the first round to, uh, you know, the bottom end of, of their uh, conference matchup. Um, I do also want to go into Boston's um, stats here, so we'll talk about those a bit. Uh, and bear with me, folks. I am basically just doing this all on the fly. I am not uh, planning anything or pulling anything together. Um, I basically just watch hockey throughout the week, and uh, if there's a team that I'm liking, I sort of make a mental note that I want to speak to them. Um, so let me get their website up here, pull it up on my phone, and we'll just dive into those stats quick. All right, so we've got Marshawn, Pasternak, Bergeron, and Taylor Hall in the point category. Um, and if that doesn't surprise you, you're not the only one. Uh, those top four guys are definitely the main uh, source of points for this team. Uh, the team is largely built around those four guys, especially Marshawn, Pasternak, Bergeron. Um, that was the perfection line for quite some time. Paul has definitely found uh, a different uh, a different doorway, I guess, in, in his career. Uh, let's not forget, he came into the league as, I think he was the first next Gretzky, uh, if we all don't forget that. I think that was the 2010. <laughs> Holy cow. I'm, uh, that one makes me feel old. I think he was the 2010 first-round pick. Um, that first season, he had that skate accident on his face, that pretty gruesome-looking accident. Uh, if you ever saw the pictures of those stitches, um, graphic warning content there, for sure. Um, but yeah, he's definitely found a new level to his game, which is very positive. Um, a stat uh, associated here with Marshawn that I think sticks out, Marshawn leads the team um, in points with 49. Uh, you know, behind him is, is Pasternak with 45, so not too far behind, but Marshawn's minus one. Pasternak's plus one. Your two highest scoring players cannot be break even at the plus minus game. Um, you know, that's very indicative of like what I mentioned last week with the New York Islanders. That's how their team runs. That's how their team's uh, goals for goals against runs. It's very close to basically breaking even a one for one. Um, so those two those two stats are very good indicators of the struggles and woes uh, that I think Boston is definitely going through. And if I scroll through this entire list, this entire roster, nobody has double digit plus minus. Yeah, that was the penalty in minutes column. I just looked at for somebody else. Nobody has double digit plus minus. Bergeron is a plus nine. Um, and it ranges all the way down to a minus eight from Nick Foligno. Um, there's guys that we're seeing a lot more of that we didn't see in the past, like uh, Frederick and uh, Connor Clifton. Stadnika is another one that comes to mind. Um, I like seeing those guys more. Uh, Clifton is definitely getting a more fair share of ice time with 31 games played. Stadnika's only been around for eight. Um, Craig Smith, I, uh, he's looking good out there. He's, I do think he's playing pretty well. Um, I think he's pretty nitty gritty from what I remember last night, seeing him play. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, here we go. Like, you know, Matt Grizzlick has 69 points or uh, 16 points. Jake DeBrusque has 15 right behind him. I mean, Jake DeBrusque is sort of in this pool of the AHL guys almost with, with as far as the points uh, ascending order goes. Behind him is Lazar with 12, uh, Mike Riley with 10, Nosek with 10, uh, and then it's all single digits from that point on. Jeremy Swayman, um, the man, the myth, and the legend from last night, has got a pretty nice 2.15 goals against average um, for a team that is, you know, sort of borderline there with their goals, goal differential. A 2.15 goals against average is not too bad in my eyes, uh, especially when you can almost guarantee yourself at least one point uh, from the Marchand Pasternak Bergeron combo. Uh, so if you can at least get that one goal, and your goalie is averaging only 2.15 goals against each game, um, you're definitely going to hang around in most of your games. And last night's a very good uh, example of that. Like I said, they scored in the first. Uh, they didn't let anything in in the second. The second was a very good defensive game uh, by Boston. Um, but after the second was over with, I did have the feeling um, New York was definitely going to score in the third. I thought it was just a matter of time. And they did. Uh, with, I think, 11 minutes left in the game, they scored, tied it up, um, and that was all the Rangers needed. Uh, they went on to go to overtime. There's a little bit of a weird thing that went on. I don't know if anyone caught this or not, but uh, Shosturkin had a weird collision in front of the net. I forgot what, I think it was Smith, actually. It might have been Smith, but I could be wrong. Um, someone on the Bruins was on a breakaway, uh, and when they came in on net, they, what was it, a shot that, like, sort of trickled to the right of Swain, of uh, Shosturkin, or perhaps I think they just can't, like, the defense was bearing down on this player pretty hard. Anyways, the guy ended up sort of colliding with Shosturkin. Uh, I do believe it was Smith because he was like sort of laying on the goal line there after that. And someone went to try and clear the puck and it, it just sort of hit the post or it hit a stick or something and stayed in front of the guy and he bashed it in with his hand. Um, so they actually did call a goaltender interference on the play. So the fact that he, uh, pushed the puck in with his hand was, uh, wasn't even an issue. Um, the play had already been dead at that point, if you go by the GI. Uh, Shosturkin sort of looked like he, he a little bit flopped on the hit, on the interference. He did sort of go down kind of cartoonish, I would I would describe it. And he definitely laid there almost as if he had like gotten knocked out kind of thing. Um, so... You know, I don't want to speculate and say that it, it was like an act or that he was being funny because I, first of all, would hope that he wouldn't be trying to be funny about an injury, especially when it comes to the goalie. Because, you know, if you do that as a goalie, it's it's one thing that you're faking an injury that you're, you know, generating concern for yourself. But you also could be getting somebody else in some trouble because, I mean, I play defense, and as most defensemen know, and most hockey players know in general, you know, if I see my goalie go down and he looks knocked out, I am going to be pissed with whoever the closest guy in the opposite sweater is with me. And I'm going to show it because it's an emotional game at that point, and it's the heat of the moment in those situations. And that's why things like what Marshawn does ends up happening because. You know, when we're thinking with our emotions, we're not really uh, in control there. And so anyways, I digress. Uh, the play was called goaltender interference. And uh, Shosturkin had the issue there. The, the trainers came out to attend to him. There was 40 seconds left in the overtime, perhaps. Um, but the trainer was out there. He spoke to Shosturkin, stood in the crease with him. Uh, Igor took a, a quick walk or a skate, I guess, around the boards and in the corner in the back. And uh, all of a sudden, 
he's heading back to the bench. And I said to myself, oh, you know, maybe maybe there was a concussion. Maybe he's going through concussion protocol. And I think even, you know, Jack and Brickley there were speculating that as well. Um, and then he sort of gets, I don't know, maybe five, six uh, glass panes, you know, the board glass panes to his uh, bench door there to leave, to go down to the tunnel. And he smacks his stick against the glass and they're in, in MSG. And I thought I saw Rangers fans where he was doing that. So I was sort of shocked at what was going on. Um, Obviously Jack, Jack was pretty shocked as well. Jack Edwards. um, And he marched down the tunnel to go back to the locker room. So, you know, naturally everybody thinks he is going through concussion protocol. He's pissed that he's going through concussion protocol because there's not much time left here in the game. And, and he's been, um, you know, he probably peel, feels pretty bad for his goaltending partner there, letting him, you know, be cold all night and telling him, here, here's the last 40 seconds of the game. Good luck. Uh, it's the golden goal hour. So um, I get it. I get that level of frustration. Uh, Georgiev came out, closed out the overtime, and then the shootout, you know, they come back from the shootout break and we're about to start the shootout and Shostakhin's back in net. Uh, I think New York had some issues with, um, again, I, I don't, I guess I wasn't like, I didn't get the full scenario here. I was only sort of half listening to this. Um, I think we were, we were talking wedding logistics last night. So I wasn't totally there when they were discussing what was happening, but it sort of sounded like to me, like as part of concussion protocol, you need to, you know, clear some amount of time away from the game in an isolated area, probably pretty similar to uh, the NFL. Although I do like that the NHL has the locker room they can take the player instead of just this little pop-up port of John Ted that has a tiny little micro or not microfiber but a thin thin fabric separating them from the 50 60 70,000 people roaring outside um anyways it sort of seemed like it, there was some level of time he needed to wait and then they needed to, they would be able to then reassess i think the coach of the rangers was sort of checking with the refs that that time had in fact passed because Brickley made some sort of comment like, um, you know, Shosturkin is on the, the stopwatch right now. Um, but anyways, you know, play went on. We went into the shootout and DeBrusque, <laughs> that's who it was. DeBrusque took the first shot, which I was super surprised about. But to, uh, to Cassidy's credit, man, it worked. He, he did score on his first opportunity, came in with a lot of speed. A lot of speed, heavy shot, quick shot. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that he needs to be doing if he wants to be traded um, during the game when he's on those breakaways. Um, And even if he's got people hanging on you, you know, all the speed in the world, man, the more speed you have, the more likely you're either going to get an opportunity uh, alone and you're not going to have to worry about that defenseman. Or you're likely going to probably draw a penalty from the guy because um, as defensemen, we sort of we sort of hold the value that um, depending on the player uh, and 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 DeBrusque is the the caliber of player like if he's clicking and 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 if he's in the game and if his mindset is in the right place, which in this shootout it was, he's gonna have a good a good performance um, and he's gonna be a threat. So defensemen, depending on the player, are gonna definitely favor. I'm taking a penalty here. I, I don't even want to give this guy a shot one on oh. I'd rather him have a shot four on five with a goalie in that kind of thing. Um, and anyways, uh, I was a little concerned because Shosturkin did look a little dazed after that shot. Uh, he hardly moved. It reminded me of, of Juan Sebastian Jaguer. That guy was famous for freezing on breakaways. Um, but to his credit, he did make it out of a pretty decent amount of them. Uh, to my surprise. Uh, anyways, uh, oh, oh, Shister- oh, so Shisterkin, I had a little concern there for Shisterkin. 
He made a weird, you know, glove maneuver after he missed the shot, sort of, sort of like a flurry has done in the past. Um, it reminded me of a few, was it two playoffs ago? He had the mishandle behind his net. Um, and then that was their exit, I believe, from the playoffs. Or no, it wasn't. They still had another game because when he was playing, when he was practicing for the next game, he practiced taking that wraparound again and passing it out to his player instead of the other team. And he did a little celebration thing there after the fact. So it was sort of similar to that. It was a, a nice little, you know, a funny little, you know, how do you do to my glove there? I should have been like that. Um, and so I actually thought that the Bruins were going to then turn up the heat and uh, get away with one there in the shootout. Uh, the Rangers ended up uh, scoring twice, and the Bruins game came down to Charlie Coyle, I want to say. Coyle tied it up, and then we went to nine or ten rounds before we had a goal. Um, and Miller finished it for the Rangers, so shout out to him. Um, must have felt good. In MSG, getting that game winner in the shootout, uh, you got to love that for him. But, yeah, as for Bruins fans, it's it's tough to see this team right now. It's tough to look at what they're dealing with. Um, their coach, you know, I, I did mention Cassidy, and I'm glad I did because he's somebody I wanted to talk about here. Uh, I like the guy. I really do. I hope that the front offices can commit to him still, even though the team is struggling. Uh, he's been the coach for four or five years, maybe six. Um, but he's been a really good coach for them. Uh, you know, he took them on that cup run. He has taken them on a pretty decent amount of playoff runs. Um, and one thing about him that I like a lot is he is a guy who in the post game is not afraid to criticize players for not doing enough or for not for not. Um, performing to the level that that they really could uh, so he's a good guy to have there behind the helm and and I think they're fortunate to have him so I would definitely like to see him stick around I should I would hope that the front office can look past the woes that the team are having um, and say we got a good guy behind the bench drawing up the plays let's not change that you know let's sort of do how cool would this be? Let's sort of do what college teams do. Um, I think to the Virginia Tech Hokies, I, I'm an alum there. And when I was leaving, uh, we had just gotten Buzz Williams to come. Um, Buzz Williams was Marquette, I think. He took Marquette to a few March Madness tournaments. Pretty electric guy. Uh, he's a little overweight, bald, but I mean, he has so much energy, and he always ends up so sweaty by the second half. He's that guy, uh, if anyone doesn't know him by name. Anyways, the Virginia Tech Hokies offered him the opportunity to come. Uh, they gave him an open canvas. They didn't like the team they had prior uh, to his existence, and they offered him the ability, basically total control of the team. Uh, so he made all his draft, or he made all his, um, what do they call it in college, like, uh, uh, scholarship picks or like you know you, you work with your scouts to rec oh recruits so he he was able to recruit you know anyone that he wanted he was really given total autonomy with his team and in, in the um directive that they were going to take so i mean i i know that the gms turn toward their coach for for picks and stuff um but this is no longer just picks this is, I think, rebuild mode. If you're Boston, you need to rebuild, uh, especially if Marshawn, Pasta, Bergeron, and Hall account for the top four players for points. McAvoy and Coyle followed pretty closely. Hall's got 31, McAvoy's got 28, and Coyle's got 22. Um, but you need more production up and down that that roster. You need some guys to mature. Um, you need to find the right guys for 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 some of the people that you feel like you can see being on this team long term. I'm thinking Hall, uh, Smith, maybe Grizzlick might be around for a while. Definitely Coyle. You're going to want to find people that will pair up with those guys nicely. Um, you know, maybe go after some local kid for for Coyle. Um, they could, you know, he could be 
uh, a veteran guy from this area uh, who leads some kid, who, some up and coming kid from this area. Um, those are just suggestions, but I do think this team needs to enter full blown rebuild. Um, this Grizzly, or not Grizzly, this DeBrusque possibility of a trade that's uh, impending. I want to see them get some assets for the draft, not, or sorry, keep saying that. I want to see them get some slots in the draft coming up. Um, I don't really want to see them go after assets that will help them out immediately. Uh, I would definitely rather see this team start building for the long haul because Marshawn and Bergeron are still going to be there next year. Um, or actually, do I say that and immediately need to eat my words? Um, they're veteran guys. You know, they're, they've always been ca- uh, contract friendly players for you. They're both guys that I don't see leaving this team. Um, so at least, you know, within reason, you can you are probably going to have them for the next two, three, four years. Maybe not Bergeron for four. Um, I think he's a bit older than Mar- uh, Marshawn, like two or three years maybe. Uh, so you might have a little less time with Bergeron. Um, so this is a really good point in the Bruins lineage, I think. Um, Chara, I think, was their first opportunity to do a rebuild. They didn't do one, which in the t- at the time I didn't agree with. I think they made a decent amount of effort toward a cup since then. And I do think that it wasn't, you know, it, at the very least, it was a wash. Uh, and you only postponed your uh, rebuild for the uh, shot at a couple of cup runs. Um, so that's not the worst thing, but I think it's now time to sit down, buckle down, uh, and start thinking about how, you know, the new image, the new face of this team and the new trajectory for it. Anyways, I didn't realize it, but um, we're already at 45 minutes. So I'm going to start wrapping it up here. Um, that's my take on the Bruins. That's my pulse check on the Bruins. Uh I am still looking to them to to be something in the playoffs. They're going to have a very, very tough first round buy-in. So we'll see how they handle that and if they handle it. Um, But if it does get ugly, if if it's a pretty quick series, might be time might be time to put on the rebuild hat. That's all. So let's see. Today is the 16th of February. I don't know that Nick will get the podcast out there in time for tonight's games but um even if he does there's only four games and uh and you might not even be listening to it till the next day anyways so for tomorrow for 217 or if you're listening to it today today later this evening we've got senators and sabers at seven uh that's going to be in buffalo um if you want to probably see a pretty high scoring game, go for that one. Or if you want to see a game that means nothing, go for that one. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. <laughs> um, we've got Penguins at Toronto. Uh, after looking at the standings and seeing that the Pittsburgh has jumped all the way to the top of the Metro after having a pretty rough start to the season, definitely want to see the Toronto Maple Leafs do something there. Uh, to benefit us, especially after we sort of let them get away with a win in overtime uh, a week and a half ago or so. Blues at Canadians uh, at seven as well. Caps at Flyers at seven. We have Red Wings Rangers at seven. That'll be a good game. I, I think that might be my first recommendation to watch. Um, even the Penguins Maple Leafs game might not be as thrilling as this one. I think the Red Wings have a lot to prove to themselves. Um, This is a really good opportunity for them to test their character, test their uh, uh, capabilities of of staying in the games, you know, sticking with a team that's definitely better than them on paper. Um, That'll be a good test for them. Uh, And if they win it, it could be the springboard that they need to make that that difficult playoff push that needs to begin yesterday for them. Um, so let's, you know, I, I might end up end up watching that game tomorrow. We have also the Bruins at Islanders, 7.30. Uh, Bruins fans look to a nice two points there. Islanders are, 
who even knows what's going on over there? They're putting square pegs into uh, mathematical formulas. We have the Kraken at Winnipeg at eight. Could be a good game. Um, it's in Winnipeg. Nick loves this team because of the, the fan base there. Uh, it's, it is a good fan base. It's an electric atmosphere, even just to watch on television. Um, we move on. We have the Blue Jackets at Blackhawks tomorrow at 8.30. Both those teams. Uh, not so much the Blue Jackets, but let me. I thought the Blackhawks were sort of close to a playoff spot. I think they're still within the, the contentions for one of those slots. So look to them to sort of win one at home there and stay in the hunt. Ducks at Oilers. That'll be a good game. Nine o'clock tomorrow night. Um, both those teams are duking it out for, and as well as a couple other teams are just jockeying for those bottom spots in the West. Uh, Oilers had a really hot start to the season, but they're now in the wild card bubble of falling in and out of just a regular division spot and then a playoff spot. And then finally, we have the Canucks at the Sharks. Another good game that could happen, but you know, if you're on the East Coast, probably not the easiest game to watch there. Um, anyways, anyone, everyone, thanks for listening today. It was episode 17. Um, I do know that you know the Bruins are another original six. Uh, my mentality there was last week was the Rangers. They're a team that's doing pretty well. They're on the uptick. Uh, so I wanted to sort of contrast that with a team that's possibly on the downtick, I'll call it. Um, and the, and the Bruins, uh, you know, I, like I said, I do live in the Boston area. I have been following them pretty closely for a few years now because of that. Um, so that was just sort of an easy, an easy, uh, topic for me to hit upon. Um, and a quick, I knew, you know, I knew right away that that was a good team to go for because of the contrast there with, with the Rangers. But again, I just want to reiterate it next week. Uh, we'll be moving to the West Coast, so or the Western Conference, I mean. Um, so definitely look forward for that. Um, and then also, I think it's a really good. Uh, uh, what's the what's the phrase for it? Um, Trojan horse, maybe they could be a Trojan horse, I think. Uh, so tune in next week if you're excited about that. I certainly am, so I'll be tuning in. Ha ha ha. Um, but anyways, any everyone, thanks again for listening. As always, uh, if you like what you listen to, just continue listening. It's not a big deal if you like and subscribe to us. Um, we're just doing this really for fun. Um, and because we've been watching hockey long enough to, that we feel like we're making valuable statements and takes here. Um, but without further ado, I'll let everyone get back to their day. Again, thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, <clears throat> Peace out.